podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Brutal Nation, a podcast series dedicated to lesser-known serial killers and acts of true crime. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Right across from me is the one, the only, Tammy Underwood. Say hi, Tam Tam. Hi, everybody. All right. So today is actually something that we're going to do that's a little bit unique. This is actually, well, I'll explain it. I'm just going to jump right in. Jump in. Today I'm going to be featuring Patrick Kearney, also known as the Trash Bag Killer, but also known as the Freeway Killer. Now this is all going to play in, uh, so let's just jump in. Yeah. Welcome to Southern California in the 1970s. While at the tail end of the Vietnam War and after the Summer of Love in 1969, the outward gay population was on the rise. The opening of gay bathhouses and clubs were also on the rise as well. But Southern California was in it for a shock when it came to the gay community. Please bear with this tale of horror. This is one part of the three serial killers that were terrorizing the gay community in Los Angeles. What year again? This is the 1970s is where we're starting off. With okay. This. No, I, I just don't remember hearing the years. So. Hmm. so let's talk about Mr. Patrick Kearney. Patrick was born on September 24th of 1939. His parents are George and Eunice Kearney. The youngest of three sons, he was raised in a pretty normal house, all in all. Yeah. That's when you compare him to other serial killers, by the way, that we featured. His older, his older brothers are Michael and Chester Kearney. And it makes me wonder, what made him commit the crimes that he committed? As I dove deeper into all things related to uh, Kearney, I found one article that said that he was given an IQ test after being captured. His IQ was 180. Now, keep in mind, I don't know if that's accurate because the smartest man in the world, which is, I tried to rehearse this name, but I'm going to butcher it, so I apologize. Manahal Tibet, T-E-H-B-E-T, only has an IQ of 160. And this is according to the article that I read. So, but there's there's two forms of an IQ test. There's no, an older one and a new. Yeah, because I was reading one earlier that the highest IQ for you know that they had recorded, but then there was one guy that scored in the two hundreds. Right. So, so I don't know what yeah. form of IQ test they were giving at the time. I don't either. But that's insane. One eighty. That's higher than Sheldon Cooper. That's higher than mine. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So pretty impressive. If it's if it's accurate. The article also mentioned that at an early age, Patrick's father, Patrick's father taught him how to slaughter pigs by shooting him in the back of the head. Okay. He quickly took to liking this task, and when no one was watching, he would kill pigs that were not even meant to be slaughtered to roll around in their blood and organs. Ew, that's just nasty gross, dude. While I did find this interesting, I couldn't confirm it that this article, when it came to that, was actually accurate. Right. I checked and checked. I really couldn't. There, Some say yay. Some, some say, say no. Yeah. So, I hate it when that Yeah, happens. I'm kind of 50-50 on that. But if it's true, that's some sick shit, man. Because, you know, I've killed plenty of animals, but I'm not rolling around their blood and intestines. Yeah. Although Patrick was raised in a fairly normal household, his early life was not without its problems. He was a small, sickly child and very thin. It was said that he was often the target of bullies and soon became very withdrawn. 
that's when he started to really fantasize about killing people. Patrick went off to join the Air Force, and that is where he met a man who would later become his live-in lover, David Hill. David was married, but in spite of that fact, they began a love affair with each other. Later, David went back to his wife, but that was also to be short-lived, as they ended up back together again in California, him and Kearney. Okay. Not him and his wife. He left his wife and went right back to Patrick. Yeah. Which I would, too. Is he cute? I haven't seen a picture of him yet. So. He is, for a guy, he's... Pretty good looking? No, he's, he's nerdy cute. Now. He's nerdy cute, I would say. His, his later pictures, he's not too bad. He's not like he's a mongoloid. Oh, it's, so it's not like he's Lucas or Tool? Yeah, no, he's not like the Beavis and Butthead of serial killing by any means. <laughs> the dumb and dumber? <laughs> no shit, huh? Although Patrick was born in East Los Angeles, California, he moved to Texas. But after a briefly being married, he moved back to California, where he cultivated the art of picking up other gay men. He touted himself as the gay pickup artist. He searched for men in, in the San Diego area and Baja, California, Tijuana included, uh, using his fluent ability in Spanish as, as well as his love of the Latin culture. Oh. So my, uh, my first, ev- this is my first, I don't know what the fuck I meant by that. God damn. It's the first time you've started reading. Oh, I understand. <laughs> uh, there we go. Hooked on phonics didn't work for me. My first. Everyone has a first time for everything. I remember my first guitar, for example. It was a cheap guitar from a department store chain, and it was called a Global. I remember my first car, a 1976 Chevy Camaro, and even my first kiss. For Patrick Kearney... It was his first murder that stands out. Oh, I bet it did. In 1962, oh, it's 1962, and Patrick convinced a young male to take a ride to a secluded spot just outside of Indio, California. So if you don't know where Indio is, it's in Southern Cal, and you get on I-10, and I-10 will take you all the way across the U.S. Like, right, that's when it takes you through and, New Orleans and shit, Right. Uh, that's way southern. Does that take you through New Orleans? Because I know my son went down five to catch some highway to go straight out to the... Uh, maybe I can't remember. I'd have to look at a fucking map I know, these days, too. I'm telling you. And, but it's... Uh, so India was around like Palm Springs. Okay. The Palm Springs is very deserty. Anyway, that's where things went wrong for this young, unsuspecting man. Kearney shot him in the head, then had sex with his body. So he was dead. Necrophilia. Just yeah. to be clear on that, okay? Oh, no, I, I got that. Although, although Kearney couldn't remember the victim's name, he, identified as a, he was identified as a 19-year-old white male. Mm-hmm. His second victim said to be the cousin of the first victim that had seen him right off with Kearney. Ooh. Yeah, because if you can have one in the family, why not have that, two? Why not have two? I'm a little confused about this part of the story, though. I found a few other statements from other sources that said that Kearney's first victim was a hitchhiker from Orange County, California. Oh, so odd. A lot of what I read, read was really, really conflicting. So I'm trying to give kind of an overview of everything that I found. Right. And by the way, this one here is not going to be as long as when we get to one of the people that I'm about ready to mention very shortly. <laughs> Kearney would lure his victims into a car and then he would shoot them. Right in the head. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, come here, little boy, get in the car, boom, boom. and then do his thing. Whoops, there it is. 
He would, he would then have sex with their dead bodies before dismembering them, cleaning their bodies to get rid of any evidence, wrapping the parts in black trash bags, and then dumping the bags. Some of those bags were even dumped along the highways and freeways, which also earned him the name The Highway Killer. So, uh, and, uh, well, The Freeway okay. Killer. Oh, I was going to say, I thought you said freeway earlier. Yeah, There's I meant a freeway. difference, buddy, difference. Whatever. The Freeway Killer. Okay. I need to change that. You'll have to edit that. I will. By this time, the bodies are piling up. Young gig men are being killed and dumped. The police already knew that they had a serial killer working in the Los Angeles area, but they didn't know who it, who it was. Uh, and they didn't know that they actually had three serial killers that were hard at work, racking up the body count. Wow. So at the same time this is going on, a man by the name of Randy Kraft and another one by the name of William, and I say Bonin, you say Bonin, but it's B-O-N-I-N, you decide, were also wreaking havoc and with different ways of killing and torturing. But the disposal was similar. Wow. And the victim pool was similar. Wow. You know, and that is what's weird to me. You have three separate people. Right. Three separate, non-related, non, you know, no affiliation whatsoever. Yeah, they're not like in the gay man serial killer club. Yeah, or... it's not like they're going out to the bar and saying, hey, you hit this side of town, I'll hit that side of right. town. Right, come over, let's have a meeting about yeah. this. Okay, you know, these are the people we're going to kill. They don't even know each other at fucking all. Yeah, but that is just shocking. I mean... It's They're, like really bizarre to me. That's why I'm doing that the, this series, this, yeah. this part of it for the next few Fridays because I found it interesting that that three people that don't even know each other would pull out the same exact victim pool, yeah, exactly. and dispose the bodies of similar, a, a, yeah. very similarly. Yeah, because what? Because I gave you the the bone, bone and bone and whatever. Right. I gave you him, and you said, "Well, I want to do this guy too," and you gave me Kearney. And then you said something about the next guy, and I'm like, wait a minute, I know I've heard that name, and I actually wanted to do him, but then since he was tied in, I gave him to yeah, you. Yeah, he, he's all mine, man. Yeah, I, you're I, like, I need to do this one, too. I'm like, oh, shit, okay. But, yeah. So I, David Hill left his wife again for Kearney, and they moved in together in Culver City, California. So Culver City is a suburb of Los Angeles. It's not very far from, uh, like, Studio City, Burbank. Oh, okay, so that... That type of area. Yeah, that... Um, not very far. Kind of... Affluent areas, kind of. So David had met a young man by the name of John LeMay at the gym, and he invited him over to hang out and watch some movies. Well, when LeMay arrived, David wasn't home. And when uh, LeMay asked to use the bathroom, Kearney took that as the opportunity to kill Brian LeMay. He then had sex with his dead body, dragged him into the bathtub, and dismembered him. He buried Brian LeMay in his backyard by, the, by his shed. After Brian LeMay had been missing for a while, uh, a report was finally filed and an investigation began. His neighbor, who Brian LeMay had spoken to uh, before he left, said that he had met a guy named David Hill and, uh, and had been told by Brian that he was going to go uh, and, and see him. Okay. Uh, as the police searched, search, they ended up at Patrick Kearney and David Hill's home. As the investigation went on, Kearney quit his job. He was working for Hughes Aircraft, of all places. Oh, okay. Awesome job. Oh, yeah. No, this, this guy is not stupid. Believe me. Yeah. Well, no. He's got an IQ of 180. Right. Very intelligent guy. We're at Hughes Aircraft. And both 
him and David Hill went into hiding in Texas. Okay. Now we're gonna we're, we're gonna come back on a few things, but okay. Because you know you're me, I'm kind of skipping around on me here. So I'm I am trying to follow along. But I work in big circles. You and, you do. That's why you know even when we talk normally, I I try to like okay, he's gonna get back. So we can only hope, right? Yeah. You do eventually, even and, if it's two days later. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> in the weeks that followed the investigation, the police had enough evidence on Hill and Kearney, so they thought it was Hill too, uh, that they that they wanted to that that they posted wanted pictures. Okay. Everywhere. Everywhere. And this is in L.A. area. This is in the L.A. Okay. area. No, this was not any kind of a showdown and running from the law. By the way. Both Kearney and Hill simply returned to California, walked into a police station in San Bernardino, California, pointed at the wanted poster, and Hill said, we're them. <laughs> yeah, a peaceful surrender for, right. uh, on both the subset, yeah. suspects. And it was because, and I don't know if I touched on this in here or not, because their friends and their family had said, dude, there's wanted posters of you motherfuckers. You really need to turn yourselves in. Oh, okay. And they said, no, no, you know what? You're right. Let's, you know, leave the Lone Star State, go back to the land yeah. of fruits and nuts, and uh, turn ourselves in. Oranges. <laughs> Kearney was very cooperative with the, with the police, and he confessed uh, to the murders that he committed. He led the police to six burial sites that he had used uh, in, in California and on the Mexican border. One of those sites being that of 17-year-old Brian LeMay, which was buried in his backyard. Right. The police said that Kearney may be responsible for more than 28 killings. And there was no way to know the real number of murders that he had done by himself. Oh, okay. During the questioning, the police began to ask Kearney some very odd questions. And this is what led me down the rabbit hole, by the way, for, uh, to, to, to find craft. Okay. And craft is a trip. Things that they uh, asked me, have you ever stuffed a sock down someone's throat until they couldn't breathe? Have you ever hammered a surveyor spiked into someone's rectum? And at first, Kearney was really confused. And being a smart man, he kind of quickly picked up on what they were saying. And his actual quote was, I'm not that serial killer. <laughs> and I, no, dude, wrong guy. I like that because watching that, uh, I found the interview somewhere or I heard it. He sounded so disgusted. Oh, I bet. Like, I am not this low class clown yeah. that you are looking for. I yeah. actually have some self dignity. Yeah. I don't mutilate, you know, he does after they're dead, but, you know. Right. Because you'd see the way you're saying it about spikes and stuff like that, it sounds like there's torture involved. Exactly. Oh, wait till I know. You wait till we get to craft. Oh my god. Oh my god. As you'll come to learn that this was the work of one of two other serial killers that were hard at work at the time. Now David Hill was cleared of all the charges and released. The police found a bloody hacksaw with hair from LeMay. Kearney agreed to plead guilty to twenty eight murders as a deal to avoid the death penalty. He was convicted of twenty one counts of murder. Okay. He's currently being held at Mule Creek Prison as of October 2014. He has 21 life sentences, which will assure him that he will never see the outside world. Now in his 80s, he finds himself nearing the end of his life. Now this podcast here for this one here is just my teaser. Okay. Only because 
I, I I'm going to give you some questions. You're tickle and, my fancy, huh? And then we're going to discuss this case. Okay. Number one, of course, nature or nurture. I don't know on this one. I would say this one is probably more nature because his f- dad taught him well. Mm-hmm. You know, tried to teach him a very you know. Admirable profession, slaughtering, which is right. something that we need in society. <laughs> For more reasons than one. Yeah, obviously, because um, he took it to another level. But, you know, so it's like he had positive influence in his life. So I believe this one's more nature. I agree. I think it was just in his nature to uh, to, to kill. And I think that may have been part of his the, the catharsis that he got from right. having these gay feelings. Because keep in mind that the era that he comes yeah, from... Yeah, the, sev- the sev- 60s and 70s is, you know, 50s, 60s, and 70s. Right. Yeah. You know, to where if you were... It was a disease. Yeah, if you were gay, you were a pariah. Yeah. But what I'm not understanding... Because, you know, because with Dahmer, he would actually kill his victims before he had sex with them because, A, he didn't like it when they moved. And B, because he was always rejected. Yeah. So, I mean, I would see that, but he had a mate. He had a mate. So that's where I'm confused on is why did he resort to the necrophilia? Oh, let me tell you why he went out to kill people, which I should have put in this. Yeah, kind of should have. But then, okay, I'll admit, I got down, I got into You got in a rabbit hole. With Randy Kraft. Yeah. Because- as soon as it came up in my research, I started, okay, let me see what Randy Kraft is about. And then I started writing his thing. No way. Oh, shit. No. Get the hell out type of a thing. And so I may have. Yeah, you kind of Patrick, dropped. You just like ended it on me. I'm like, what is he doing with questions already? Patrick, 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 if you hear this, it's not that I don't love you. Because I do. I really do. Because, and, and let, let me explain why. Why people are sitting there going, what a thick son of a bitch. Yeah. So why did he resort to the necrophilia? Well, let me explain why I love him. Okay. Because, yeah, he was raping guys' dead bodies, okay? Right. Which is sick. It but is. But he was killing them first with a shot to the head. Right. So it's not like he's torturing them or anything yeah. like that. So I actually kind of respect that because think about if you're getting raped yourself. Yeah. There's fear involved. A lot and of that's, it. And that, that's part A of the torture. Yeah. yeah. So these guys aren't having to go through that. Right. So. It, theirs is like a, they don't even know it's coming. Right. Death, you know. Now, from what I had read, uh, he actually, him and uh, and Hill would get into fights. Okay. And every time that, that they would get into fights, he would go out and find a victim. Because oh. that's, that's what helped what, him out. That's the way he, like, That's how he dealt processed. with the problems. Right. Got that's it. That's how he dealt with a lot of his problems, his, his inner feelings, his inner demons, um, okay. fights, and things like that. And plus, look back to when he was young. If he's the target of bullies. Right, right, right. That is going to give you that little bit of a need to maybe get back at somebody. Yeah, yeah, I get that. So that's that's what I think on it. So we covered that one. Um, yeah, because that's what I was confused on. I thought you were going to get it, and then all of a sudden you start asking. I'm like, wait a minute, we didn't talk about why. I should have read the questions first. Anyway, <laughs> do you think that the killing and having sex with his victims were a form of sexual fantasy, fetish, or catharsis? For more personal inner demons, keeping in mind that he was bullied at school and an easy target. Which I should have read right. that question first yeah, before we no, started so talking. So if but. he was bullied in school and an easy target, I do not believe... Well, there might have been some like fetish involved in it, because necrophilia is in fact a fetish. However, I'm not seeing that 
that's the only way he can perform. No, no, that isn't. You understand what I mean? Because him and him and Hill are still are, we're still fucking. Yeah. So I mean, because that's where I'm at. Because it's like a lot of necrophiliacs that or whatever you know, as far as fetishes go and stuff like that, is that's the only way they can get a release. Right. I believe. I believe, even though I haven't read into it, and you know, because I always rewrite yours so that they're readable. <laughs> they Thank have that you. flow. This is um, why we need editors on the staff. Yeah. So what I have understood, though, is from what I'm hearing you say, because I haven't really you like got into it to rewrite it yet, is that it to him was a release in another sort, not a sexual release so much, but a release Emotional. of the anger and the yeah, yeah of emotions, the, yeah, yeah, his anger, his hatred, his you know all that, his insecurities. And even. I, I agree. I so do agree I can with that. see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Last question is. Uh, this is a quick one. It is. We'll go back and we'll, we'll discuss now, a few I was going to say, we, we kind of need to discuss it because I have a lot of weird wonders here. Go ahead, though. You have a lot of weird everything. I know. I know. So there was a few discussions about his lover, David Hill. Do you think that he had any idea about Patrick's love of killing young men and having sex with their bodies? Do you think he even knew? I think he knew, obviously. Because he was with him and took him back, you know, went with him to go turn himself in. I think he knew at the end, but... Oh, maybe not. So does it say what Hill's profession was? Uh, no. He was unemployed at the end, I believe. Okay. No, because I was just wondering if he, like, was up, you know what I mean? Had, like, the, not the same IQ no, so much, No, no, no. He didn't do the same kind of job, but I think he did, like, uh, but, manual labor or something. Oh, okay. So, but at the same time... I don't know though because I've seen so many of them are serial killers. Their their spouses have been like, I had no clue, right? Exactly. Even though I'm sure there are signs. And the only person that he killed in his home was that guy that went to go meet his hill. Was Brian Lemay? Yeah, yeah that's the only victim. Yeah, that he had, that he killed. And then there. he bur- didn't he like bury him like right by out his window or something outside by the shed? Yeah, in his backyard. Yeah, so so maybe he didn't. And maybe, you know, Patrick just said, hey, look, I've been, you know, when wanted posters came up and everything. Hey, look, this is me. I've been doing it and told him what he'd done. Right. It could be. You know, there's always that. So I don't know, man. I don't know. That was hard. That one's a hard one because you've had it on both. We've had both spectrums. So Mm -hmm. it's hard to answer that question. He was an excellent hunter, though. Hill was? No. Oh, because we were talking about Hill for a second. And I'm like, what? I think that, uh, that, you know, he... Uh, and with the higher intelligence, with the higher intelligence and, you know, like, um, considering he called himself a gay pickup artist, which means he was very eloquent. I believe he was. You know, and so he has that going for him. And um, kind of like, I mean, we bring him up a lot too, Ted Bundy. Right. You know, because Ted Bundy was a very intelligent, very eloquent, could, you know, he could engage people in conversations. And it's like they wanted to hear him speak. You know what I mean? Because it felt like he knew what he was talking about. And working for Hughes Aircraft is no small feat. So my stepdad, Stu. Yeah. uh, When him and my mom first met, and they've been married for like 30 years. Okay. um, He actually worked for Rockwell. Okay. And he worked on military satellites. Oh, okay. And Stu is not stupid. Right. Like, far freaking from it. 
right. high, high, high intelligence. So then, what's he doing? Part of your family? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I always think that he should have ran away from my mom and done better. But that's you know, <laughs> whatever. Side I'm note. just kidding. Don't murder me. Um, <laughs> no, but, um, but yeah. So it's like. But it, yeah, that all works uh, the same though. You, yeah, you're, you can't be a slouch. No. And work for a place like Hughes Aircraft or Rockwell. Yeah, or so any he was like that. pretty well off. He, you know, so he dressed the part. Was a nice dresser, I'm assuming. Um, you know, I mean, I saw a couple of his pictures, and he did look suit and tie and everything. Right. So it's like you have that, and so you, you know the eloquence and the knowledgeable, the knowledgeability and stuff. I believe that that's the hunting process right there. Oh, I agree 100. percent Yeah, he, he used all the skills that he had. You know, he is, uh, you know, uh, excellent at, at a foreign language. That's yeah. Why he, he searched around Tijuana, Baja, Mex- or Baja California, San Diego. And which us, is a- well, and he targeted gay men because he was, you know, because that was his proclivity. But, you know, yeah, I'll tell you preference. from a female perspective, we love it when a man talks in a foreign language or has an accent or whatever, dude. I'm not lying. That's why I love it when you say your southern words. <laughs> So I should talk to women like I am from Germany? No, you should talk to me like you're from the... the Actually, I prefer an Australian, Irish, or Scottish accent. I'm getting a kilt. (laughs) Please don't. (laughs) And nipple tassels. (laughs) There's a guy in my town that walks around in a kilt, and I'm like, I wonder if he's really Scottish or not, because you know they don't wear underwear under them. I'm going to get it. I'm going to wear nothing but kilts and nipple tassels from now on. Please do not do that to me. Please so it, it all me. does play together because yeah. the, the, the police were really baffled. Yeah, because of how intelligent and how, you know. Right. And the yeah. other thing that I appreciated about um, about Kearney is that he actually took the time not just to dismember and dispose, but to clean the body. Yeah, that it's like he had an affection towards, for them. That's kind of what I level. felt. Not, not so much a remorse. So much because otherwise there wouldn't be the dismembering part. Right. But it's almost like an affection. Like he has an affection for them. And that's that's kind of what I got from it, you know. And he, and he took the time to remove all the evidence and everything like that. So he wasn't your typical, like, turn and burn killer. Right. Which is, you know, where they, they kill him, they dismember him, and they dispose of the body. And boom, yeah. you're done. Go on Let's to the Let's not talk kill. about Fred and Rosemary West. Oh, don't even get me started yeah. on those assholes. So, I mean, yeah, it's not like that. But, yeah, he had, it's like he had, like, I keep going back to it, he had an affection for them. I would agree. On some level. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I'm not a psychologist or anything, but, I mean, I've read a lot of books, read a lot of books, and it, the... The manner at which he, like, performed his ritual after death sounds, you know. Yeah. You know, because they say people who cover up their victims or whatever have, like, an affection or remorse type thing because they want to hide their crime. Right, right. You know? Well, I will add that he did get a general discharge um, because, so in in the Air Force, he became the supervisor, I believe it was him, uh, of painting planes. I think that's. Okay. of, Of test aircraft. Okay. It was either him or Randy Kraft. I can't remember. Oh, great. Ah, I get confused. But, yeah. No, and and for him to keep his, like, um, the fact that he kept working at this level says a lot, too. Because a right. lot of times we've seen when serial killers start to get in the heyday of their killing, you know, when it's very, like, need to do it all the time type thing. Correct. Then they start to decline in their personal lives. Right, yeah. He kept you know, like Herb Bomeister. His oh, yeah. personal life fell apart. Right, right. 
you know. So, um, so yeah, I just I, I I I really actually enjoyed reading about Patrick. Yeah, Turner. I gotta he, admit that he one. actually makes me, you know, because you know I've talked about it many times how we had a appreciation for Bundy and right. how he went about things. This guy almost like way better. Because it, Wait, much more better. It, well, now because I know our listeners, not because he killed people. No, I was going to say. Let me explain more why I got this affection for him. Because doing research on this stuff, you find a lot of like, like what I said. Get the turn and burn killers, right? Um, or you got the ones who target like uh, like hookers, right? You know, uh, and ones they feel are disposable that nobody right. cares about. Yes, this guy here. Patrick went and he, uh, he, of course, got young gay men. Yes. Which is his proclivity. Right. And he, there's an elegance to it. Right. And while I don't condone serial killing or killing of anybody without right. cause, I, I'm all for killing people. Don't get me wrong. Right. But, but there, there's got to be a, a reason. fucking reason. Like if somebody breaks into my house. Right. You know, uh, people, well, you have no you value. You better shoot them and make sure they fall inside, yeah, they damn have, it. Well, this That's is what I've always I've said. People, you value your guitars more than human life. No, that person breaking into my house doesn't value their life. That's Yeah, my and it's not like it. you value your guitars more. It's you value your, your stuff. I mean, you earned it. Yeah, exactly. It's I, like, why should people just come and take it? Because nothing in this place, when it comes to especially my music here, is cheap. Right. Because that's part of my profession. Right. Those Some are, of it's irreplaceable. Yeah. I got a few people, a few pieces that you're not going to replace. Yeah. You can't. Ever. And I don't need the insurance money. I want that piece. Exactly. And yeah, it is. I mean, because it's like, yeah, I'm insured. But you know what? I can't replace it. I've earned it. You know? Yeah. And then you have yourself and your family to think about. Uh, exactly. You know? Exactly. You know, and even though my son's an adult... You know, I'm still his dad at the end of the day. I'll kill a motherfucker. Dude, my son is 21 years old, six foot nine, 400, almost 400 pounds. That, he can fuck a bitch up, but you know what? <laughs> I'm still like, bitch, I'll go to toe to toe with you over my son. Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah. You know, but, uh, you know, so it, it's, it's about protecting my, my sanctuary. Cause yeah. That's, that's what this place is. It's exactly. My, exactly. I come home and this is my sanctuary. Yeah. I remember one time when somebody broke into my car one night and got something out of it. I felt violated. Like violated. And it wasn't even my house. It was my car. I felt violated last time I went to the doctor. <laughs> Nobody needs to know about your doctor's visit, Scott. <laughs> I was wondering why his pants were laying by mine, actually. Come to Did you wonder that. that when you stood up after the, the proctor? Prostate exam? I did. Yeah. Did you wonder why they were down around his ankles? I was wondering why he was breathing yeah. really hard and sweating a You're little so bit. so fucking but, disgusting. You know, he said that's part of the exam, so there you go. So, I have a question. For, are you done asking me questions? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, I have a question for you then. I got an what answer for you question? then. Because we were talking about... Okay, Okay, so he does remember his first kill, right? Right, just not the name. Just not the name. So it sounds to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you did the research on him, that this, in fact, was like an addiction for him. Oh, 100%. Because you and I both remember our first hit of dope. Oh, oh yes. Oh, I can almost yes. give you the day. Oh, I remember you the know? first time I did a line. Yeah. And it's like, I will never, ever forget it. And so it's like when you remember something on that level... You know, and it, I mean, and 
we all have different opinions when it comes to Michael Jackson. It is said that he forever chased the high of Thriller. Yeah, I can understand You know, that. so it sounds like an addiction to me. But the fact that he owned up to his shit. That They I didn't appreciate. come catch him. He said, he walked in and said, I'm your man. And that was the other thing I was going to bring up. I'm glad that you brought yeah, it up because I was going to forget. The fact that he owned yeah. his shit and said, no, I did it, blah, blah, blah. And when they were saying, you know, different shit about, you know, everything else. He's like, no, that wasn't me. This was me, but yeah. that wasn't me. Yeah, 100%. I, so I he owned his it. shit. Yeah. Uh, Which I, I admire. I appreciate that he was honest with the cops. Yeah. Turned he owned himself up to, in. Turned himself in. It wasn't like a fucking, they didn't have to go and say, Patrick Kearney, you're under arrest and tackle him to the ground and drag him yeah, off dude. or anything else that they do to criminals. Um, you know, uh, he, he went in with, with his boyfriend. Yeah. David Hill pointed to the water poster. Obviously, he had the familial support from his boyfriend, at the very least. Right. So, you know, he had all that, and he was just like, you know what? I did it. It's time to turn myself in. Went and did it and said, I did it. I did this. I did this. I did this one. No, I didn't do that one. Yeah. Don't accuse me of that nefarious bullshit, because that's just wrong. And what's even funnier is, I mean, what I think is comical about this whole situation and, you know, is the fact that he was like, a serial killer was disgusted by serial killing. Oh, exactly. That's what cracks me up about this one. But yeah, so yeah, he owned his shit. Good for yeah. him. No, and I believe me, that's that's stuff that I appreciate. Yeah, because we've um, done a lot of research on killers, and they will, I mean, they're like, no, like the ones that like would rape their victims before they murdered them. No, I murdered them, but no, they wanted to have sex with me. Or I didn't rape them. Or you know what I'm saying? Right, he right, right. owned it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Good for him. He's not, he's not alive anymore, is he? I think he's actually still alive. I was going to have... Oh, here, you, I had him right here. I was just going to have you or an intern kind of try to find that out if he's still alive at Mule Creek because... He is. I would love to do a one-on-one interview with him. Yeah, he is actually... He's 81, so we've got to do it quickly. But yeah, he's still alive at Mule Creek. Right, right. Now, y'all, don't be disappointed that this one here is so short, by the way, because no, when we because get into craft... It's all going to tie in together, because Patrick's going to come back again in the next three or four episodes. Yeah, oh, yes. Yeah, so it's not like he's not going to come <laughs> up again, because they're all... I mean, even though they weren't killing together, it's all... Because I yeah. I may have saved a little bit of factoids from Patrick... Of course uh, you ...back did. for my other ones. Yeah, I'm telling you. No, but yeah, he... Um, well, we'll discuss that one off the air, how we can make that one happen. No, Let's that's not what I was thinking wrap about. I this was thinking one about up. something else. I looked at his picture again, and it's like, dude, he was a very, he looks like somebody that you would see walking into a fucking office to do with a briefcase saying, he actually, Margaret, where's my coffee and my mail? One of the record labels that I work for. Okay. The second that I saw the later pictures of Kearney, he looks like one of their attorneys. Like at first, I had to stop and the think. The one from the nineteen seventies, or no, no, not the oh. one, not the black and white, the the later on one. Okay. He looked like he looks like one of their attorneys. So at first, I had to do a double take. What? Wait a minute. What the hell? Oh, oh, nope. That's that's not him. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, yeah, because he looked like his. Well, my best friend's dad is a bank was a banker, and she would say how he would just sit in his office, smoke his cigarettes, and say, "Margaret." Give me some coffee. <laughs> That's what I can see him doing. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to wrap this one up for you boys and girls, but stay tuned for next Friday. Yes. Because. Well, stay tuned for the next, like, 
I'll say we'll probably have to divide craft into two. Two, definitely. Yeah, so next so two you guys, three episodes. Kearney's going to play in in a big way to all of this. He's just he's just your side salad appetizer. That's right. He's your appetizer, boys and girls. <laughs> so just keep those lips nice and moist and wait for the main course. Why'd you take that to a dirty level? Why? Because your voice. Oh, my God. You had that. Dirty old man. Oh, like when I'm talking about your mom. Okay. Yeah. I I, I hear it all the time. Cracks me up. All right. This has been Brutal Nation. Remember that you can send us an email at brutalnation.cast at gmail.com. Also, check out our blog site on Medium, and you can do a search and do at Brutal Nation. Um, I plug plug Medium a lot because uh, they're they're a great, great resource. Um, uh, they give you so many for free, but then if you pay them $5 a month, which isn't bad, yep. dudes, they have got, are they've, they've got blogs from everything. Like I said in our previous episode from guitars to how to gut people. Right. And you gar- can just go to the to top gutting. of our medium page and it says, become a member and subscribe and everything. Right. They're, they're yeah. fantastic. Very, very user friendly. Check out our website at www.twistedbluellc.com. Click on that Amazon link if you're going to shop on Amazon. Helps the helps the show out quite a bit. This show's copyrighted 2021 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights reserved. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye bye. Bye everybody.